Hello and welcome to the Work Well podcast. The World Health Organization has identified the workplace as a priority area for health promotion. Why then does the word work have such a negative and unhealthy connotation for so many people? Think about it. We spend so much of our adult lives at work. Why should it be in a role or in an environment that doesn't support our health and well-being? My name is Brian Crook, and I'm on a mission to make workplaces more positive places to be and to make our working day as healthy and productive as possible. Join me on the Work Well podcast as I interview workplace well-being thought leaders and industry professionals to discuss how employers, employees, and entrepreneurs can lead the way by creating and sustaining the healthy, safe, and well workplaces of the future. Hello, and welcome to episode eight of the WorkWell podcast. If you haven't already, check out our website, workwellpodcast.com, where you can stream or download all of our podcasts, as well as accessing show notes for each episode. This podcast is brought to you by our partners, AJ Products and Irish Life Health. My guest on this episode is Catherine O'Flynn. Catherine is a partner and head of the employment and benefits team in William Fry and chairperson of the Employment and Equality Law Committee of the Law Society. She is one of the diversity and inclusion partners in William Fry and is also involved in the mentoring program there. So there's some really interesting legal considerations for employers and employees as a result of remote working. And that's one of the many points that Catherine and I discuss in this episode. Let's dive straight into my conversation with Catherine O'Flynn. So Catherine, hello and welcome to the WorkWell podcast. Hi, Brian. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. So probably the most important question I'll ask you today, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Yeah, it's Friday and the sun is shining. So lots to be thankful for. So yeah, looking forward to the weekend ahead. Thanks. Fantastic. Yeah, and the weather is supposed to be good this weekend. So that is uh, something to really look forward to. Yeah, it definitely helps. Yeah, absolutely, doesn't it? Yeah, and you're, you're working from home at the moment. How, how's that yeah. going? How are you managing to balance work and, and life and, and everything else in between? Yeah, my team in William Fry, we've been working from home since Friday the 13th of March, along with the, most of the firm, actually. So quite a sudden decision for everyone to have to go home and work remotely. Um, so that brought with it as you can imagine its own challenges but luckily the transition was smooth enough because we had been preparing for it in the background for quite some time so we had a team kind of dedicated to the inevitable um, having to work from home situation so we had been advised to bring our laptops home most evenings for in the lead up to it um, we'd all received kind of up-to-date training on how to access the system remotely and, you know, other kind of messaging had been sent around the firm. So, yeah, we're all working from home since then and happy to say that it's been a lot more smooth than, you know, one might have thought. Very good. And am I right in saying that William Fry would have been an organisation where it was very much everybody would have been kind of present Monday to Friday, uh, nine to mm. five normal working hours. So a change to remote working would have been quite a 
quite a di- yeah. quite a change, like a, literally a, quite a change yeah. to the to the way things work in there. And have any additional supports then put in place to support people um, that are kind of brand new to this remote working? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do think that's a really fair assessment to make. And probably the same would go for a lot of professional services in Ireland. And I, I think possibly in terms of remote working, we have been a little bit behind other jurisdictions. Perhaps it's a bit more common in London and in the US. And I guess there is this perception that working from home isn't as productive, say, as working in the office physically and some reluctance to take it on or to allow it. You often have discussions about people, you know, working from home using the air quotes, um, you know, as they're not really working from home at all. So I think it is fair to say that as a professional services, as a law firm, we didn't have a huge amount of it, but we, we certainly did have some of it, which was great. So we did have the infrastructure in place for working from home, remote working. And we have a great IT system and very safe um, and great facilities and great IT support in general. I have to say they have been absolutely amazing. I feel like when I'm clapping for them <laughs> in the evenings, they've been so, so, so great. But so we did have that infrastructure in place so that we knew we could do it we could work from home safely and then in terms of supports they have been necessary for people who perhaps hadn't worked from home hadn't worked flexibly it's probably fair to say those people who did work one day here or there from home have maybe adapted that bit more quickly than those who didn't so certainly supports in place for people who've never worked remotely in terms of online training or access to any of the kind of equipment that they might need um, and obviously then for managers who manage remote teams, that's a challenge in itself, um, you know, because perhaps that manager has never been trained on how to manage that team remotely, how to make sure they are engaged, how to look after their morale, as well as, you know, their mental well-being, as well as, you know, make sure people are carrying out their tasks on a day-to-day basis so we've been looking at how to support those managers as well again through means like online training Um, and also there are so many wonderful supports out there podcasts webinars like your, your own of course and so we've been sharing those with our managers and with our teams to make sure everybody can upskill themselves where necessary very good yeah there's a lot of considerations isn't there and um different people impacted in, in different ways. Great to see that you know, William Fryer are adapting to it. I think there'll, there'll be so many learnings from this, won't there? Um, I mean, yeah. it'll be an interesting experiment in and of itself as to, you know, that maybe we'll, we can have a look at productivity levels, not mm. just from William Fry, but in other organizations. So, you know, there was, yeah. there was a movement growing in the U.S. called uh, Results Only Work Environments, and the, the whole idea being, you know, it's not about a bum on a seat. It's more about kind yeah. of results and, and productivity. So I'd say along with kind of remote working, that'll probably push that conversation okay. forward a little bit more. And I, I imagine there'll be there'll be changes even when we do return to work, whatever that looks like. Mm. I imagine even I will have adopted some changes in the in the new normal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yes, as you say, there has been a move away from this kind of presenteeism for a long time. Um, And it's all about being able to trust our employees, trust our teams. I mean, I think that's absolutely vital. 
and you know there's you see lots of LinkedIn posts from people saying you know such and such asked me if they could work from home because of x y and z and I stopped them and I said I don't need to know why um I trust you you know you see a lot of posts like that um but there is there's a lot to be said for those kind of discussions you know Mm. if an employee can work from home as easily as they can in the office you know so what if it means they get the opportunity to hang up a washer so what if it means (laughs) at half two they can go and pick up their child from school you know as long as the job gets done these things don't matter and mm-hmm. it's all about work-life balance I guess it all comes back to that as well and you know you say when going back to normal whatever that looks like I think now is the time to sit back and reflect on what bits of normal do we want to go back to yeah. or what mm-hmm. bits of normal do we want to leave behind um, you know there's another video during the rounds of someone you know telling a bedtime story to a child and it's all about hindsight was 2020 and about all the le- lessons that we're going to learn in 2020 because of this absolutely unprecedented circumstances that we found ourselves in so I think you know responsible businesses and organizations and employers are taking this time to really reflect upon their organization and their workforce and have a good think about what do we want it to look like in the future when it does get back to normal, whatever that may look like. Yeah, and it is a great opportunity to reflect for individuals and for leadership teams and for organizations. Is there, is there anything interesting you're doing to keep colleagues engaged while they're working remotely? Yeah, definitely. So the firm as a whole, we're, we've surveyed them um, to kind of see how they're feeling and happily majority of staff were feeling good and feeling positive but where they did feel that they needed a bit more support we've made sure that that's been put in place so in terms of parents obviously this struggle between working and homeschooling has brought with it its own challenges so we want to make sure that our staff understand that if they need flexible hours or condensed working day you know, that is there for the taking. Again, going back to this concept of, you know, we trust our employees. So we need to make sure that they know they don't need to be sat at their virtual desk, you know, during the kind of traditional working hours. If they need to dip in and out and get those homeschooling classes done, that's absolutely fine. Other supports then for people who are looking after parents, say, for example, or worried about elderly parents, you know, that, that has a, a massive impact on someone's well-being and someone's day. So we need to be there to support them through that as well. And then in terms of morale, you know, it's been a joy to kind of see the things that have been coming out of this in terms of virtual bake-offs, mm-hmm. virtual cups of tea at half ten. You know, we've been continuing to support one of our charity partners, which is the Jack and Jill Foundation, and we supported their incognito art sale which was a couple of Fridays ago and delighted to see that all the pieces sold out within about 10 minutes absolutely unbelievable you know so fabulous so that created a you know a nice um spirit of engagement in the firm as well some of our colleagues actually contributed pieces so it was wonderful to see that as well and then other things like had a virtual quiz last week the firm is going to do a virtual 5k to support other charity partners this evening my team is having a virtual game of charades so I'm very excited about that Mm -hmm. so you know it's all about communication with each other it's been really important in the lead up to this situation during this situation 
And then as the situation progresses, you know, the areas for concern are changing. They're starting to think about what's the return to work going to look like. So, you know, we just need to keep up that communication both ways. We need to communicate with each other and make sure that we're open for ideas, suggestions, concerns in order to keep up that level of morale and engagement. Because I did feel there a week or two ago that morale engagement generally throughout organizations was kind of dipping a little as the perhaps you know novelty factor I know that's not really the right word to use was kind of waning and as people realized gosh this is going to last a little bit longer than we had imagined so we do need to keep up that spirit of engagement and level of communication now more than ever I think. Yeah, I mean, like the communication, I keep hearing that the importance of communication at this time. And brilliant to hear that you managed to to run the incognito auction uh, on, kept it going mm. online this time. It's, uh, you know, a great initiative run every year. And I think Bono had yeah. a, a picture in this year and Bruce Springsteen, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And there is going to be another online sale shortly. So it's worth keeping an eye out for that. And I think the key is to get registered early and to pick your piece as well in advance and be good to go at 9am. Fantastic. Yeah. And a great cause, as you mentioned, the Jack and Jill Foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. And we we kind of touched on it there, but I mean, well-being has been on the priority list for William Fry for a while. You were the first law firm in Ireland to attain the Keep Well Mark from IBEC. Mm-hmm. Do you think, yep, is, right. has well-being moved up the priority list now as a result of COVID-19 or what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's always been on our priority list, which is great. And I suppose in terms of how it's changed, I guess we are starting to think what does well-being look like? Mm-hmm. Focusing on the, the mental well-being side of things. I think that's so important and how best we can support our staff working from home. So I guess, you know, it's, it stays on the priority list and, you know, one would hope it's on everyone's list of priorities um, because it's really important that we make sure our employees are okay. And I guess, how do we find out that they're okay? You know, everyone has been through so much, you know, you know, whether their own health has been affected personally or their loved ones, or they're worried about their children or they're worried about their elderly parents, or they're worried about their job and their livelihood, or that of their partners or their friends. Um, So we've all been through so much. So it's how do we support everybody through this? Um, And do we need to kind of look at what we've been doing in the past and tweak that slightly to make sure that we are achieving that and looking after everybody's well-being? So the remote thing, you know, brings its challenges, I think. But as I said, there is lots of things that we can do virtually to stay connected and to look out for our well-being. And I think it's important to note, perhaps, that some of our workforce will flourish working from home and absolutely love it. And certainly there are elements of it that are wonderful. I mean, I'm getting to spend so much more time with my two daughters Mm -hmm. than I've ever done before. And every day I'm so grateful for that you know having breakfast lunch and dinner with them is just such a privilege um, that I I didn't have before I mean don't get me wrong it can be very annoying as well and they do fight a lot with each other but (laughs) you know at the same time it is really wonderful so I've enjoyed that but then we have employees who don't like the remote working they find it difficult they really miss the engagement and the contact and the close contact with their colleagues So we need to kind of think about everybody, you know, and make sure that everybody is okay. Um, And how do we keep 
them all engaged. And there's been this kind of blurring of the boundaries, I guess, between home and work. Again, some love it, you know, some love their children joining them on video calls or bringing their children or their family or their partners on to team activities in the evening. And that's lovely. And it's lovely to get to know people in this way and to see their homes and to see their attics. Mm-hmm. Again, though, some of our employees won't like that at all and, you know, mm-hmm. don't wish to be on a video call every day. And that's yeah. fine. So we need to, as I said, make sure that we're engaging everybody. So if people would rather just, you know, dial in on their their phone, then that's fine. Um, But just, you know, watch out for the people who aren't engaging at all and make sure that we're reaching out to them as well. Sure. Yeah, it's a really good point because, I mean, from listening to the commentary, you might, you would assume that kind of we're all in this together and we're on a very, the very same situation and, and we are to a certain extent, but I think this the kind of remote working environment, there's kind of three factors to be considered there. It's first of all, it's the person. And as you said, like this, this kind of style of, of working just isn't for everybody. It, no. it depends on the person. It depends on their role and what's expected of them in their role, of course. Yeah. And then it depends on their home environment. I mean, mm. if, if you're, if you do have, look enough to have an office space, a dedicated office space at home, a work environment that you're, you're, you're kind of one of the lucky ones, uh, some people might be in a you know a studio apartment uh, sharing yeah. with, with others, so they, it, it might be very uh, constrained and, and restrictive. So it, it certainly yeah. does depend on on, the, on those factors as well, doesn't it? And you kind of have to try and take all those into consideration. Yeah, I think they're really good points. I think on the topic of the role, as you say, not everybody's role is going to be compatible with working from home, and I guess you know, they're the kind of individuals that will be concerned about job security going forward. And we need to make sure that we reach out to them and give them the assurances that they need and communicate with them. And then, as you say, having a dedicated office space is the ideal, I suppose, for many reasons, but not everyone is going to have that. I think, you know, not everyone has an outside area as well at the moment. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is lucky enough to have a balcony or a garden and yeah, so all of those things are really interesting. And I suppose we're kind of getting into kind of the legal environment now too. So, yeah. you know, as an employment lawyer, we've obviously been thinking about the legal obligations on an employer in respect of our employees who are working from home and getting lots of queries in that regard. So, mm-hmm. you know, employers need to be mindful of those kind of issues as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the the legal implications for employers so I, I know there's the the safety health and welfare at work act uh, yeah. dating back to 2005 is that is that applicable to kind of the remote working environment yeah absolutely so i suppose there are kind of a few main legal obligations that employers should think about and the first would be health and safety as you say under that legislation an employer has an obligation to provide employees with a safe place of work So that's regardless of whether it's in your traditional office space or if it's at home. So in an ideal world, you would be carrying out a risk assessment of your employees' working space at home. But obviously, and helpfully, the HSA have assured us that employers are not expected to go out to everyone's home space at the moment. The HSA actually have provided a very useful FAQ document that is well worth employers having a read off but what we're kind of advising employers to do now in terms of making sure that they're fulfilling their obligations under that piece of legislation would be to think about providing your employees with an online ergonomic assessment Um, and there's lots of different providers as to where you can get that from and then the employee fills it in from home 
as regards what their place of work looks like at home. And then you can find out who needs more support, who needs equipment, and then reach out to them as necessary. And then other things employers can be doing during this time is making sure that employees have the contact details, say, of a support person in terms of their home working requirements, mm-hmm. whether that be they need ink for their printer or they're concerned about their chair isn't supportive for their back, mm-hmm. or just generally they need some support to make sure that they have someone that they can contact. And then on the other side of the coin, I guess employers should make sure that they have up-to-date contact details for all of their employees. You know, vitally important that we're in a position to keep in contact with all our employees. So no harm making sure that that's fresh, up-to-date, mm-hmm. and that you have emergency contact details as well for a next of kin or someone that you can contact if you need to, if you, for some reason, you can't contact that employee. So there'd be some of the tips on the health and safety side of things. So yes, even though we're working from home and there is a pandemic, those legal obligations still remain. And I guess another area that we've been asked about is in relation to working time. Yep. So yeah, even though we're at home, employers are still obliged to keep an eye on the hours that their employees are working. So there is an obligation actually to keep records of working time to include start and finish time and rest breaks on a daily basis. Okay. And employers are required to keep those records for a period of three years. So even before this current pandemic, employers felt a little bit of resistance towards this obligation. And I can understand why, because... A lot of these acts, in particular the Organisation of Working Time Act and this particular requirement was enacted, you know, a long time ago before our workforce became so fluid Mm -hmm. and flexible and before we had iPhones, before we were able to check our emails at, you know, 10 p.m. And so it it does, you know, slightly jar with the, the modern workforce, this fact that you have to keep such detailed records but it is a requirement that's there. So it is one that employers should be thinking about and perhaps asking their employees to keep a record of. And definitely I would advise employers both in respect of complying with that requirement, but also in terms of looking after employees' mental health and well-being to emphasise to employees that they shouldn't be working excessive hours um, and to emphasise them that they should be taking their breaks and their rest periods. Because I do find that, and I've also heard anecdotally, people feel that because they're working from home, they're kind of getting into a way of working all of the time, you know, and the personal, again, is blurring even more into the professional now more than ever. And it's very easy to kind of sit at your desk all day. Um, So we want to make sure that we don't get into this habit and that we emphasize to our employees, as I said, that, you know, they need their rest breaks and they need to take breaks more than ever, really, to be honest. Yeah, some great points there. And uh, I'll, I'll link to that HSA FAQ document in the show notes as well. So thanks for okay. suggesting that. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So perhaps um, I was I was going to say uh, some HR policies will, I'm sure, need an update after after this. But so potentially, too, is the, the legislation, which may be yep. just kind of a little bit out of date and I'm sure you're aware yeah. of, the, I think it was last year in France, the new law that was brought in around uh, kind of working time and the fact that, mm-hmm. as I understand it, the employee is is not obliged to kind of return any phone calls or reply That's to right. any, any emails outside of, 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 of standard working hours and uh, France yeah. is the first country in, in the world to bring that in. 
Yeah, that's right. And that did bring about a lot of debate as to whether that, you know, is a good thing, whether it would work in Ireland. Um, I know some companies have brought in their own policies. So after a certain um, time in the evening, I think it's nine nine, some companies call it, um, you're not allowed to send any emails unless, you know, they're absolutely vital or emergency type emails and again you're not expected to look at your inbox between those hours so that's kind of interesting and a lot of those policies are are definitely coming into play again to try to stop this concept of this always on mentality you know and there have been cases where employees who felt they were obliged to always check their inboxes bring claims against their employers on the basis that they're working excessive hours. And, you know, there have been claims where employees have succeeded with those claims. And I guess that brings us back to the point about keeping records of your employees' hours. If, you, if you're if you not keeping those records, it can be very difficult to defend those type of claims, you know, because the burden of proof really will be on the employer. Okay, yeah, it is really interesting. And we've had some good debates on the, uh, the post-grad cert in workplace wellness in, in Trinity on this. I think it was kind of Volkswagen in in Germany, who certainly I first heard of using software in a creative way to try and eliminate that uh, that burden of of emails in the evening time. And for their internal employees, they've kind of introduced uh, a policy and and then software to to implement it. So if if somebody sends an email, you can still log in, you can still send an email. But if it's after 7 p.m. in the evening, that that won't be sent through to whoever you're sending it to until oh, okay. 7 a.m. the next morning. So it's kind of creating a window. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a great idea. Yeah, because I think, you know, a lot of us are guilty of this kind of compulsion to look at our yeah. inboxes, or our emails. I know I certainly am, you know. Um, so if it was kind of forced upon us to a certain extent, um, I'd say it'd be quite welcome by a lot of employees. I know financial institutions um, are great in terms of annual leave. So where they have employees who are obliged to take two weeks annual leave in a row. They have systems whereby if an employee on their compulsory annual leave two weeks holiday accesses their inbox, then a kind of a a warning signal goes to HR and they have to explain themselves as to why they did that. Um, So, you know, I think it's two-sided again. Some some employees will be really resistant towards that kind of thing, whereas others will just find it such a, a lovely breath of fresh air. So, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that evolves. Spe- speaking of the annual leave one, I have to say then I think it's, again, in Germany who maybe they're leading the way in this area. I think it's Daimler, again, another uh, mm. kind of car company. But again, for their internal employees, when they go on annual leave, the uh, the policy there is that if anyone sends them an email, it's automatic. Well, an, an automatic reply is sent, sent back saying, look, this person is on annual leave and this email is being deleted. Wow. So you're, 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 you're faced with it. You're coming back from annual leave and to, to inbox zero. And yeah, that would be nice. After holiday, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, as, as we kind of spoke about in Trinity and the, the conversations we were having were, I mean, their companies, and that's, that's their policy. It works for them. And, not, and it's probably an expensive software they're, they're using to, to implement that. I mean, another way around it is kind of a less uh, formal approach, but maybe more of a leadership approach is if, now, from a leadership perspective, a leadership team, if they're deciding, look, mm. we're, we're going to do our utmost not to contact you, not to send emails after a certain time in the evening or at the weekends, unless it's an absolute priority. And that yeah. will kind of filter down through the organization as well. 
Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, certainly if it's, our leaders can lead by example, that always helps. I mean, that's kind of the way we're looking in terms of remote working to a lot of organizations were encouraging their leaders to take a day, a week, that kind of thing, you know, to show their teams that it does work and that it won't have any negative impact upon your career if you decide to work one day from home and that kind of thing. So again, yeah. you know, the situation that we find ourselves in has accelerated that so much. So we're going to see more and more of it, you know. I suppose that's another legal issue that we've been advising on this requirement to allow our employees to remain working remotely after this is all over. So a lot of organizations, I think, can expect requests from employees to continue to work remotely, perhaps, you know, five days a week or perhaps one or two days a week. Mm -hmm. So employers, again, should start thinking about what is their response going to be? Do they have a policy on agile working requests, how requests will be dealt with? So, you know, now is the time to make sure that you have that policy in place to deal with that influx of requests that I think is somewhat inevitable. And I guess, you know, looking at the strict employment legal position, um, as it stands, an employer isn't required to concede to such request, you know. So the obligation would be that you must consider it carefully and communicate with your employee as to your response. So that now is the time to be thinking about that, I think. It's a really good point. Yeah, now absolutely is the time. And it, it, it might actually make sense over the next few months, certainly for employers to restrict the amount of employees that are, that are coming back into the workplace mm, for, yeah. to support those uh, physical distancing guidelines yeah. in the beginning. So it might actually work out well for everyone initially. Um, but it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plans out or that, how that pans out yeah, and I imagine your, yourselves, you're kind of planning for that scenario at the moment as well, that return to the workplace. Yeah, I mean, I suppose since, you know, the the five phases were announced last weekend, everybody is, is kind of thinking now about what's going to happen and when our organization's going to go back to work and need to plan accordingly. So, you know, we're helping a lot of our clients with this return to work plan. And that's, I guess, where the nature of our advices have almost shifted from a lot of advising about the subsidy and potential restructuring um, and crisis management. Now, a lot of organizations are looking at this return to work. And I think, again, as before, it's all about communication. It's about making sure that we're bringing our employees along with us on this journey, because I think the worst thing in the world would be if you know, our workforce or any workforce has sent an email on a Friday saying, all right, see you back in the (laughs) office on Monday, you know, and employees aren't going to know what that workforce or workplace is going to look like unless we've brought them along this journey because employees are going to have a lot of concerns about, will it be safe for me to return to work? Will I be exposed to anything that I don't want to bring back to my children or to my parents? And then from the employer's perspective, there is a lot to think about. As you say, we need to think about the social distancing. How will that work in our workplace? Mm -hmm. You need to think about all the various touch points in your office, from doors to lifts. You know, you need to think about your bathrooms, your cleaning facilities. Are they going to be up to scratch? So there's a lot to think about. You know, do we need to close down some of our social areas, like our canteens? our kitchens, how are we going to make sure that it is a safe place for employees to feel comfortable about returning to work? And then, as you say, certainly splitting teams could work. That can help with the social distancing. And then, you know, you're also preparing for hopefully what will not happen, you know, another wave of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so you'd be in a position to deal with that if, if it happens. So yeah, lots to think about really. And I guess maybe staggering start times. I, you know, oh, yeah. in the build up to us all working from home and a lot of employees were concerned about taking public transport. Mm-hmm. So the less we have pressure on the kind of traditional rush hour, the better. So allowing people come in at different times, all of those kind of things will help, I think, in that return to work. So lots to think about. And the other big area, I think, is the, the privacy area. So my colleagues in the tech department and William Fryer are looking at a lot of issues about temperature testing um, and whether oh, yeah. you're allowed to do that. And if you are allowed to do it, what will it look like? You know, who would you test? Would you test everyone or, or just those employees who are presenting symptoms? How does that testing fit with employees' privacy rights? Um, how do you collect that data then? Because anything to do with our health is sensitive, confidential data, which is dealt with very carefully under the GDPR. So as I yeah. said, our, our tech colleagues are, are starting to become inundated with those kind of queries, you know. Something that they're looking at currently as well that we have spoken about is the kind of privacy issues for employees who are currently working from home as well. So I think that's another legal obligation that employers need to remember hasn't fallen away just because we're working from home. So they need to think about, you know, have they got a safe IT system in place? Is their transmission of documents safe? You know, our clients are seeing requests coming in from their own customers or suppliers to show them that everything is safe in terms of their own information. So that's really important. And again, it comes back to perhaps maybe some online training for employees to make sure that they're up to speed with all of this kind of thing. Do employees know where to keep all their handwritten notes? Um, Or what about documents that in your office you would stick in the drawer? Where are they going? Hopefully not going in your green bin, untreaded. So, you know, all of those good things to think about as well. Of course, yeah, and this, so that's mainly in the the consideration if you're maybe if you're house sharing, oh, yeah. potentially uh, different different people. You're you're dealing with uh, confidential client information while working remotely and potentially printing yeah. out those documents or storing it on a on a, on a shared computer, perhaps. So all all of those considerations. Yep, for sure. Like, and again, coming back to your point about policies, how they need to evolve. So we've seen clients wanting to update their confidential information policies to deal with, as you say, kind of house sharers who might be on calls with flatmates who aren't signed up to the same confidentiality agreements that the employee will be. So how do we make sure that we've covered that point off? Yeah. So lots of lots of considerations there, certainly for employers, but also there's going to be lots of positives that come out of this. What what, what will you take yeah. from this as a positive and what, what, what are William Fry learning? What, what kind of positives will William Fry take from this? Well, I think, as you say, there's lots of positives. I think any concerns about whether remote working is productive, I think, are gone. You know, I think we've all proven that we can work really productively, mm-hmm. if not more productively from home. You know, there's less kind of people being late for meetings. There's less faffing about during the day. You know, you can really get the job done well from home. And again, I think that comes back to the support systems that you have in place. And again, back to, you know, our my gratitude for our IT team. You know, if you have that infrastructure and support system in place, you know, you can do great things remotely. I think what we've learned at William Fry, similar to a lot of our clients, will be that, you know, people are so resilient and, 
you know, to be told on a Friday that we're all working from home now from Monday and, you know, people get on with it and are energetic about it and positive about it, enthusiastic. You know, it's a great message that, you know, as I say, we can do great things together despite very, very difficult circumstances that we're going through. So I think that's been a great lesson. You know, I've nearly had more contact with my team during this time than we had back in the traditional office. And, you know, one would hope that we will continue that level of engagement when we go back to work. And getting, as I say, I do quite like seeing more of people's personal lives and, you know, removing that kind of boundary between work and life, I think has been nice. I'm talking about your yeah. pets, you know, it's all, it's all good, I think, you know, and it, it, it kind of keeps that spirit of engagement up nicely. Yeah, L- lots of positives, um, kind of getting to know your teams, your, the people on your teams. I think creating really strong team bonds that will last for a long time. So definitely mm. lots, of, lots of really good positives coming out of this. Uh, so Catherine, any, for anyone that may be any employer or employee that might have any questions, perhaps legal considerations, where, sh- where should they go to to find out more? So we've williamfry.com has all our contact details. I'm on LinkedIn a lot, so you'll always find me there as well. If they're related to COVID-19, the website has a COVID-19 hub on our website. So it has all the articles and information that my team and the other teams in William Fry have been putting together in relation to COVID-19 issues. So they're helpfully gathered together in a hub and there are webinars there as well. There's an interesting one that on the sports group um, did in terms of sporting events and how they've been affected by COVID-19. So probably williamfry.com would be the best place to go to, I think. Fantastic. Well, Catherine, thanks so much for sharing all that today. That's, that's some really great information there, really great insights. And I know you've got a game of charades to go to, so <laughs> best of luck with that. And thanks Thank so much for your time. Stay safe and we'll chat with you again soon. Thanks for having me, Brian. My pleasure. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Brian here again. Big thank you for listening right to the end of this episode of the WorkWell podcast. This podcast was brought to you by our partners, Irish Life Health and AJ Products. Original music that you're hearing right now is composed by my good friend, Greg Clifford. Check out the website, workwellpodcast.com, where you can access show notes for each episode, and there's plenty of other great content there too. If you'd like to support the continued production of this podcast, you can donate through the website too. I would love if you could head over to iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's really appreciated. If you like what you heard today, please share this episode with your friends so they too can discover and benefit from the content. Finally, if you have any suggestions for future topics you'd like to hear on the show, email me directly brian at workwellpodcast.com. Remember to work well, stay safe, and I'll see you on the next episode.